What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Welcome to the In Session Film Podcast. Welcome to this podcast review for July 24th, 2023. And I'm JD Dorian. And I'm Ken. I mean, I'm Brendan Cass. <laughs> Both Ken's here. However, <laughs> Both <we> do... Ken's <laughs> here. <laughs> we... No, coincidentally, my nieces, uh, or not my nieces, but my fiance's nieces do call me a living Ken doll. So I guess it is kind of appropriate. <laughs> there you go. While we do have a couple of Ken's here, we also have a Barbie. I am very excited for this conversation. We are joined by the great Lauren Cohen from Next Best Picture. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Thanks for being hey, here. Hey, Ken. Hi, Ken. How's Hi, it going? Hi, Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really do appreciate you being here. This is very exciting. Mm-hmm. First time to, yeah. to have you here. Thanks for being here. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much. I literally can't stop talking about Barbie, so I'm excited to, yeah. to get to talk about it more. We so haven't I, all been like Barbenheimering every second of every day. Exactly. Yeah. What a movement. What a movement that sort of sparked by accident, I guess. This is amazing. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like wild. completely organic, right? Like nothing yeah. could ever, you can never replicate it, I don't think. No, I mean it's 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 perfectly in sync with all of us here, just wearing pink right now, and I feel like everyone is. I mean, I'm I'm drinking a pink a pink prebiotic soda as well, just to <laughs> try and keep the theme going. Yeah, I mean the Barbie marketing campaign. Maybe yeah, even yeah, through. Greta. Hope you're hopefully you're yeah, watching exactly. this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's interesting you guys bring up how organic the grassroots marketing was for Barbenheimer, but we do know that the studios will one thousand percent take the wrong lessons from this. And try to ma- manufacture it again later, and it'll 100%. not go well. Yeah, never, never underestimate their ability to do that. They're going to be like trying to do another Barbenheimer, and it will crash and burn because it mm-hmm. wasn't a natural thing. And like, I don't, I can't even see another pairing that's as bizarre as Barbenheimer, where it's like two auteurs with like two completely different visual aesthetics, two completely mm-hmm. different genders overall that they are like really honing in on i mean yeah. everything was opposite of these two movies and yeah. that's yeah. why it was like and if you love film like i think i the thing with barbie that i had to explain to a lot of my friends most of my close friends are not um film people they like movies but they're not in the scene sure, and sure. so they didn't understand that i'm like greta gerwig is a legit filmmaker this is not mm-hmm. like a like a, not that a barbie could be silly but i was like right. this is a real movie for lack of a better way to phrase it i was like this is like a legit serious filmmaker who like really is respected. It's not just a random person making a, a random movie. So I kept trying to tell them like, there's a reason this is bigger than just like, yeah. we like Barbie and we like pink. Like this yeah, is a, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's a reason to think there's quality yeah. behind this. I did, guess. The, did those friends yeah. of yours at least see, or at least know of the um, hype that's surrounding movies like Lady Bird and Little Women? Uh, were yeah. they at least aware of that? It, you know what? Not really. That's the thing is like they mm. might have heard those, but like I sometimes forget how little people who aren't part of film Twitter or the film scene, like how little that might mean to them. Like they yeah, may have heard of it, fair. but if they don't follow award season and they're not like cinephiles. Those kinds of movies are very small, even if they're so big to us. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, they're now they're just starting to get on the Greta train. <laughs> yeah. And, and start that, somewhere. Well, and that's mm-hmm. what's interesting with barbie because you know and we talked about this at the beginning of the year brennan when we were doing our Mm -hmm. you know like yearly preview like this film was on my radar i'm sure the same for you brennan not because we were you know tethered (laughs) to the brand when we were kids i don't really recall having any <laughs> Barbies specifically. I mean, my, my younger sister did. She was a year and a half younger than I was. So I, I, that was my... I occa- yeah, I occasionally partook if she wanted me to, which is maybe, I don't know, 5% of the time. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I think it was just the overall idea that a Barbie movie, like the Barbie from Mattel, 
directed by Greta Gerwig, co-written by Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's a big What? Part. What? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that's the thing, because I have loved Gerwig's directorial efforts. Lady Bird and mm-hmm. Little Women were my favorite films of the years, respectively. Yeah. That alone had me excited for Barbie. And then, yeah. as you noted, it was co-written by Noah Baumbach, who I also adore. Yeah. So there was plenty for me to look forward to with this film just on that alone, even if I'm a little bit removed from the brand and the dolls themselves. For sure. For sure. It's, it's weird. It's weird yeah. to have something so big directed by filmmakers or like, you know, with filmmakers and writers who that is not their brand at all. Yeah. I mean, it's but, just not. Yeah. But like, but like big filmmakers who are actually making big movies that are still their movies, right? I right. Mean, yes. like, like, we, and you knew that they wouldn't put their stamp on it. You knew there was yeah. no way it was going to turn into some kind of like just, I don't know, sham of a toy manufacturer movie that has yeah. no soul. They just didn't I, see that. Univ- they, they wouldn't take it on if that's what it was going to be. Yeah. I think that's what's so fascinating about the Barbenheimer movement because maybe weirdly it's nostalgic for a lot of us because a lot of us at our age, especially in our film circles, we grew up with some of these big blockbuster movies from the early 2000s that felt like they were still our tour projects, you know, like the Pirates of the Caribbean films or right. Sam Raimi's Spider-Man films. Yes. And while Barbie and Oppenheimer don't feel like they came from that era – they almost like like functionally kind of do like like it's yeah. these directors making these big movies that still feel like it's part of their filmography and that's w- sadly kind of a rarity nowadays yeah. and maybe that's what's you know triggering this response yeah. yeah like the references in it and stuff yeah I, was, I I could totally tell I was like yeah you know like I'm 34 like she's 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 going for for my exact demographic right <laughs> absolutely now. yeah and I, she still doesn't shy away from the Snyder cut so let's also oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was great. I'm sure we're just talking about the best references in the Barbie movie like sure. seriously. Yeah. yeah and it's interesting right because these films aren't based on any sort of you know existing filmmaking ip barbie is a big brand but this is mm-hmm. a film on its you know working in its on its own wavelength oppenheimer same thing so yeah. you know it's not like we're working within the same realm as marvel and dc and all these remakes and reboots and superhero movies we get we are you know we're working within the confines of these auteurs making these big films and the box office being what it is and yes, there was a massive grassroots campaign behind it, but I don't, mm-hmm. it's not an accident that Barbie blew out like every single other IP movie that we've seen this year in terms of <laughs> box. Like it's insane. Absolutely yeah. insane. Uh, with that, yeah. I guess we can go ahead and transition to the film itself and, and get into our review here. As we yeah. noted, it is directed by Greta Gerwig and written by Gerwig alongside Noah Baumbach. It stars Margot Robbie. Ryan Gosling, America Farah, uh, Kay McKinnon, Michael Cera, Will Ferrell, and a bunch of others that come and go throughout the film. I'm sure we'll bunch talk of other about Barbies quite and other a few kids. of them. Absolutely. Uh, in case you're not familiar with this film, I can't imagine you're not, but just in case, this is about <laughs> Barbie who suffers a crisis that leads her to question her world and her existence, my goodness, whoever wrote that, I applaud you. This film is so much more than that. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and dive right in, and we'll toss it to you first, Lauren. What did you think about Barbie? Oh, worst movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> All that set up to be like, boom. <laughs> no, like, I'm, I'm like obsessed with this movie to an unhinged degree. Yeah. Um, and you know, we're talking about how the hype built, and you know, I do think that it starts with obviously just the huge admiration behind Greta Gerwig as a filmmaker and Noah mm-hmm. Baumbach as a, uh, a writer. Um, but I do think that a big part of what made this start to get really big to, in the public eye was the casting of Margot Robbie, because yeah. all of a sudden you're like, there is a human walking around this earth that works like real life Barbie. And we've mm-hmm. all been thinking this since the day we saw Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And then she gets cast as Barbie. I think everyone was like, okay, that's amazing. Now I'm into this. You know, that so was, meta. So yeah, meta. It was just like the first seed that was planted. And I think that's yeah. when people started getting interested. Then you get Ryan Gosling and you're like, okay, this is yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah. And it's so, and mm. like so the fact that those were so hyped, those performances, and they did not disappoint. I mean, I think that people are underestimating 
how much work went into these performances and that like Margot Robbie doesn't just sit there and look pretty and look like Barbie. She has to do a lot with the fact that she's playing a toy who's transitioning into a woman for all Mm. purposes or like learning what it's like to be human. And she brings so much emotion to this role. She's so funny. She's Mm. got the physical comedy Everything is just amazing. And then don't even get me started on Ryan Gosling, who I am like, <laughs> mm-hmm. starting my, like, if he doesn't get nominated for Best Supporting Actor, we riot in the streets. Like, yeah. sure. he, and it's good, mm-hmm. it's not just that he's funny. He's been funny before, but he is, like, doing, Ken has such a uh, transition throughout this movie. He goes through many different uh, phases. I don't know how sure. deep we want to get into spoilers here, but um, the way he handles that, is so 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 well done and so memorable and he's so comfortable in his masculinity yeah. <laughs> and that's one of the things yeah. I love about him. <laughs> yeah even even though his abs do a lot of the talking though in many of many his of arms. scenes like he yeah. is really just having fun and like you can see it but also like makes you makes you feel for ken which sounds ridiculous to say but i felt mm-hmm. for ken even when he's not being the nicest ken doll <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, I just I loved it. And then like when you go into the production design, the costumes, like the way they created this world, it's unreal. And that's before we've even talked about the screenwriting at all, which is like, yeah. mm-hmm. I can't believe this is a real movie. I've said this before. It's like what she was able to get away with, how Mattel let her make this movie. I will never understand. Like I, it's it's a mm-hmm. miracle. Yeah, because it's a movie that doesn't feel like it should exist or that it could, that it doesn't feel like it's real, but it does. And like, she gets away with a lot of jokes. She's able to poke fun at Mattel. She's able to explore Barbie as a multifaceted thing where it's like, you know, this is, we all appreciate Barbie because she's beautiful. Women Mm -hmm. look up to the Barbie standards and want to feel like Barbie and look like Barbie, but at the same time as appreciating Barbie as this perfect thing She's also criticizing the fact that like women are held to these high standards and that none of us ever live up to perfect Barbie or perfect Margot Robbie status and acknowledging that like that's okay and that like how Barbie can be both things at once and what Barbie can do to kind of to be better for all women and young girls playing Mm -hmm. with Barbie. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, To talk about Margot Robbie for a second, I think this might be her best performance. Uh, yeah. I, I'm. I think I'm gonna go there. Um, I'm not 100% sold on the Ryan Gosling of it all yet, and I think it's primarily because. Well, I. Okay, I need a little bit of a uh, background here just to clear the air a bit. Um, I went to see this movie absolutely exhausted. Uh, this past weekend I had my my best man's bachelor party because he's also getting married oh, wow. this year, <laughs> and then the day I got back, which was on Sunday yesterday, as we we're recording this, was my fiance's bridal shower that I then had to stop by at so I was exhausted so when I went to see Barbie I was I was more involved in the um the thematic maneuverings of it to see what it was gonna do and I I was surprised how complex and weird this movie was Mm -hmm. a a lot of the narrative out there that it could be seen as kind of one-sided or like antagonistic towards one side over the other I really don't buy into that at all I I think the movie is way more complex, has a lot of interesting ideas on its mind regarding uh, gender identity and sexuality, and it takes pity and sympathy on all sides of that spectrum. And we can talk more about the specifics as this conversation unfolds, but I found myself more fascinated by that, that I didn't laugh as much as I would have wanted to, and I guess that's because I was just focusing on a specific thing. But I cannot wait to see this movie again. Primarily because, you're right, Lauren, I cannot believe that Greta got away with this. Uh, it's, like I said, it's a weird movie. It's a wonky line. movie. The it's last a... line of this movie. I don't know if we want to spoil oh, it. Wow. Like... No, we'll, we'll keep that in our back pocket. Uh, but you're right. That is. Like, can you imagine? Like, like, yeah. how did that happen? It's amazing. Like, it's the greatest last it's line so in movie good. history. Yeah. And yeah. I can't Great. believe it in the screenplay. Yeah. It, it, that one definitely got a large laugh out of me. There are a few moments that did. That was one of them. There's also uh, a, a very specific ad for a Barbie toy that oh plays gosh. midway through. I want to get to I, that later. Yes. Yeah, that made me laugh. There's also a. Yeah, we'll also mention Helen Mirren does the uh, voiceover narration here. And she opens and closes the movie, so she's the bookends, but at the same time, she'll sometimes interject a few comments here and oh, there. Yes. 
There's oh, one interjection oh, two-thirds of the way so through good. that is one of the funniest <laughs> things so I think good. I've seen in any movie over the past, like, five or six years. Yeah. yeah uh, and, well, I it's died. because it proves that Greta Gerwig, as a woman, is one step ahead of every female in the audience, right? Because mm-hmm. in any other movie, and I was talking about this with my fiancé who saw the movie with me, and she very smartly acknowledged this, that every woman in the audience would be thinking a certain thing regarding Margot Robbie and then, of course, Greg, Greta just interjects that joke saying, yeah, I get you. You're thinking that, but I'm a step ahead of you. And, yeah. and I, I, I don't want to be watching a movie and seeing Margot Robbie say that she's not pretty anymore because yeah. they put less makeup on her. And yeah. I was like, I will punch someone right the Self-awareness <laughs> is incredible. Right? Yeah. Like, and she's like, I'm not pretty anymore. And then like, mm-hmm. they're like, okay, hold up. We yeah. realize Robbie's the wrong person to drive this point home. <laughs> I love how they like break the wall there. And it's yeah. not something they do throughout the movie. And it was just like this kind of one-off. And I was mm-hmm. like, that's awesome. It's and she so was good. like, you know yeah. what? I don't care if I just decide to throw this in. It hasn't even been a shtick we've been doing. Like mm-hmm. she understood what we were all thinking. And they yeah. clear the air and they say it. Everyone laughs. And then like the point was able to like, go on in the movie yep. with its emotional resonance and it's it was amazing. great it's amazing yeah, yeah th- this is a very smart movie and i was more uh enveloped by its cleverness uh, the way it's you know, even the, you know the jokiness of it is certainly an acquired taste and there are some jokes that are you know not quite my taste i'll, I'll be willing to admit that but that's not that's not the movie's fault that's that's a me thing for sure uh but i was so enveloped by what greta and noah bombach were doing uh, thematically and the way that the narrative maneuvers around certain things and you have to just kind of buy into the film's logic which is so abstract and weird uh, but they do it in a very smart and clever way and I have to give them a lot of credit which is why I do really mm-hmm. like this movie and honestly I'm liking it more as time goes on because I love the density of it uh, it's yeah. tackling a lot of things and there are a lot of themes here that in any other movie could seem uh, for lack of a better term overstuffed and we sometimes use that criticism for a lot of mm-hmm. movies that are thematically overstuffed and if this weren't a Barbie movie, I might actually throw that criticism at it, but Barbie is an, an idea that involves everything in some way. Mm-hmm. So in a way, it's kind of a good excuse for the movie to get away with so many different things, but there is synergy between them all. Like, there is mm-hmm. there is a connectivity between all these ideas, and they, they do exist in the same sociopolitical spectrum, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah. And I think that's where the intelligence of it lies. So, very good movie. Very good movie. Worth the uh, wor- worth the one, $150 million it made over the uh, weekend or something like that. That's, I think now, like, it, might be, it might be closer to that, yeah, now that we're yeah. recording yeah. this, I think. Yeah. Absolutely wild. I loved this movie. Absolutely yeah. adored it. And it's interesting because I think we all knew that this film would somehow deconstruct the long lasting stereotypes around perfectionism with Barbie. But the way Greta Gerwig does that here still blew away all of those expectations. As you Mm -hmm. guys are talking about, it is really funny, often weird. It's not at all subtle in its commentary and aesthetics, but it is quite humorous. There's Mm -hmm. that one line from Helen Mirren as the narrator that you're talking about, Brennan, that was absolutely (laughs) perfect. Uh, the soundtrack and musical numbers in this film add great levity as well. Ryan Gosling's oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm Just Ken had me in stitches. <laughs> Gosling's Ken in general was incredibly absurd, but with great purpose, as we'll talk about. Depression Barbie, oh my God, might be the funniest <laughs> okay. thing I have seen all year. That commercial Watching is so goddamn good. <laughs> Pride and Prejudice miniseries. I just turned my head out. I have been perfectly attacked here. It is perfect. I love that miniseries. Incredible writing there. I absolutely love the humor here. I didn't always love the Will Ferrell stuff, but on the whole, this film is a romp that takes full advantage of its premise, and the banter is often very engrossing. Yet simultaneously, as you were talking about there, Lauren, there is a potent emotional core that is so affecting Mm -hmm. in this film and while subverting perfectionism is the root of it I think the film gets deeper and more personal as it examines the burdens women carry and the emotional and perhaps psychological cost of constantly feeling as if you're not good enough and man Margot Robbie is so good in bringing that out in her performance she's Really, really great at uh, maneuvering the the tonal whiplash that her character goes through in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greta Gerwig, this is another massive win for her. I, I love sure. this movie. It'll go down as one of the best of the year. I cannot wait to 
dive more into this as we go here. Yeah, and I also just want to take a moment to uh, acknowledge America Ferreira's performance because mm-hmm. he also has the hard job of, you know, being the, the grounded character in the movie. Yeah. She's like the main human and, you know, it's the least fun role, I guess, if, you know, you had to sure. label it. She's having the least fun of anyone, but she also does such an incredible job grounding everything and then the way she delivers that monologue the monologue that is going to yeah. go down is like one of those like all-time beloved monologues and it, it honestly could be the monologue that snags this uh screenplay nomination mm-hmm. um, at the academy yeah. awards the way she delivers it as if she's coming up with it at that exact moment feels yeah. like she's thinking about this and making these realizations about the burdens women carry on the spot and the way yeah. she says it was so resonant that like even when you read the the dialogue i've seen a lot of people posting it i mean it's a great monologue even when you read it just written out but like it doesn't have the same impact as when you hear her saying it like our theater erupted into cheers afterwards like i Mm -hmm. kind of crying during it a little bit like i just wasn't expecting that emotion from it and that is a big testament both to the writing but also her delivery well, and I think yeah. it's great to have a character like that of her age to be in a movie like this. So that way it's not only targeting maybe uh, little girls, for lack of a better right. term, right? So it's also targeting those that maybe played with Barbies at one point in their life that maybe fell out of love or fell out of connection with it that are trying to regain that connection. So it adds a level of nostalgia in a certain way by having a character like that, a motherly figure uh, in that role to really uh, springboard those points. And I do love that monologue as well. Not just from her from a performative standpoint, but you know, Lauren, Lauren, you're talking about the writing there. It's in any other movie, I feel like in lesser hands, it could be a very like obvious one sided kind of monologue. But in some ways, there are like weird sprinkling contradictions in it too. Uh, Acknowledging that our world today, our social climate, is kind of one big contradiction in many ways. And for men too, right? Like I feel like. It's not just women, and it's the movie yeah. doesn't only say that women have a burden in this life and men have it easy. Like the cats right. have their have their stuff too. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, and I saw this uh, on a thread on Twitter. I can't remember who it was, so I can't take f- credit for it. But this individual, this critic, made a great observation that. The film is maybe more anti-patriarchy than it is anti-male, uh, but went out of its went out of his way to show that the real world being more male-driven, but Barbie Land being this female utopia of sorts. And I don't think Greta is really necessarily saying we should have one or the other, you know, oh. which which is what I think is so refreshing about this movie and why some of these wild. Uh, hateful male takes that they say this movie is carrying is so yeah. bizarre to me. Like, I, I'm like, did you I see the, the same movie yeah. as I did? I mean, yeah. come on, guys. Um, but I think in many ways that's also sprinkled within America Ferrera's monologue and sort of helps kickstart those mm-hmm. interesting contradictions that exist in our world today. And I thought it was quite beautiful. Yeah, it's interesting the gender dynamics in this film, right? Especially mm-hmm. when you consider Gerwig's previous two films because Little Women and Lady Bird certainly tackled gender norms in some way as well. Well, I do love what she does here as it relates to identity and power because the film is very much arguing that enforcing unrealistic standards on both sides is harmful, whether it be beauty for women or machismo for men, whatever it may be, there are emotional and psychological costs, especially when coupled with any thirst for power, which we see when the Kens inside the matriarchy and how their identities are tethered directly to Barbie which leaves them lost when Barbie doesn't want them around all of the time. Or on the other side mm-hmm. of that coin, the patriarchy leads to women being nothing but objects for the Kens to play their guitars at, for example, <laughs> which is a really great at. scene. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but that is to say, there are no biases here as it relates to masculinity and femininity. And I think the yeah. film goes out of its way to demonstrate how gender can be a tool for self-discovery but also how Mm -hmm. it's an obstruction inside the confines of societal pillars, which is what makes those ending scenes so powerful, right? Because it suggests that our humanity exists separate from our gender, and that's what really defines us, what really gives us power over our lives. And that final montage in the very end and in how it demonstrates all that in a very real way, Mm -hmm. my God, Greta, did you have to kill me like that? Yeah. It is yep, so moving. <laughs> yes, yeah, she did. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. great. I, I love all that here. 
Yeah, and then there's a final performance uh, by what's her name? Is it Rhea Perlman or something like that? Yeah, um, Rhea yeah I, I I don't want to reveal who she's playing. I feel like that's uh that's best revealed seeing the movie for the first time. But she has a final scene with Margot Robbie and says a couple of choice words that I found even more complimentary to what we're talking about here, and very bravely you know, uses the idea of Barbie and even patriarchy in the same sentence. Not to say that they're the same thing, but like, like, like it's, it, she, she uses it in the same sentence as if to, uh, like, like, like find some synergy that we need to discover within ourselves outside of those ideas. And it's, it's really profound stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think what's interesting too, circling it back to what you guys were talking about with America Ferreira's monologue in this film and I, you know, it's interesting when looking at my experience with those ideas and how I saw myself in context of this film, because right. I, you know, I was deeply moved by what Greta was doing here, despite the fact that in a lot of ways, I really can't relate, relate with those specific burdens that are, be, that are being talked about here. And I don't know. Yeah you know, what the, the case is for every guy out there. Um, I've certainly seen those burdens up close. I've seen the effects of that on my wife or, or the women in my life. Yeah. Um, same. and so there's something incredibly poignant and cathartic about that monologue. And I think it's enthralling to see how the film takes those patriarchal tropes and wields them as a tool to destroy those stereotypes I'll say vaguely yeah. uh, which is very satisfying on its own but I think even more gripping in context of Barbie's own emo emotional turmoil because right before this rescue sequence that takes place there's the aforementioned depression Barbie sequence a moment <laughs> that ends in heartbreaking fashion when Barbara reveals that she doesn't feel good enough for anything yeah. and Robbie is really great She's really great in the film on the whole, but especially in that sequence, it is quite potent. Um, and when you're constantly asked to, you know, to pander the, to these two extremes all at once, that feeling of inadequacy is really the only outcome. And Barbie unraveling there, I, I do think is really powerful. So despite my personal disconnect with those ideas specifically, Mm -hmm. It's like in that this is to me is the magic of Greta and and this film. Yeah. She she takes that that to at least for me and I'm sure for many others that could feel like this distant idea and she makes it so resonant that mm -hmm. you can't help but be as emotionally involved with this film and the characters as everybody else. It's just the magic of Greta. This is really yeah, the only way I, I can I, say I, it. Like, I felt I felt the same way when it came to the themes they were exploring on the male side where it was like, those aren't things obviously that I can personally relate to, but I've seen, you know, that up close. I've seen men struggle with those types of things and you, yeah. you feel the Ken struggle. And one thing I love is that I, I do think it's weird when people have been calling it anti-male. I've seen a lot of that on Twitter yeah. and a lot yeah. of uh, people saying that it's anti-men. Did they see a different movie? I am genuinely curious. <laughs> I, I guess yeah. it's funny that like Greta is the whole idea for like the matriarchy and Barbie's running Barbie land isn't something that Greta just came up with out of thin air. Right. I think that they're all looking at this existing IP, this existing toy, and it is always Barbie. It is yeah. Barbie's dream house, Barbie's car. And Ken is just there. That has yeah. always been the case. And then, like, I think there's a line where he says, there is no just Ken, it's Barbie and Ken. And that comes yeah. from the yes. fact that yes. nobody just got a Ken doll. It's just not a thing. Mm -hmm. So all of that came from actually how the toys really have existed in the world completely independently of any movie in the first place. So that's yeah. where the idea stems from. And that's why she has it being all women led because the Barbies are this like female empowerment, you know, yeah. Nobel Prize Barbie, Dr. Barbie. Yeah. That yep. is what Barbie had become. So I do think it's weird that it became this whole anti-male thing. But what I loved is that Greta, not only could it feel like a girl power movie and has all these amazing feminist themes, but I think that they acknowledged that the Barbies weren't treating the Kens well. 
That's what I, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Which is a very important thing to me because I was like, yeah, it is so sad. The line when they say that, like, you know, Barbie has a great day every day. Ken only mm-hmm. has a great day if Barbie looks at him. Yes. Yeah. It's, I was like, that's sad. It, 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 <laughs> yeah. that, that's what I like about this movie and why I'm with you. I find those anti-male uh, uh, agendas, we'll call them. Uh, because that's really what they are, I find them kind of baffling. I don't think this movie is doing that at all. You can watch this movie from the Ken's perspective, and it kind of turns into this tragedy about ma- about male uh, ego in many ways, and maybe what sparked it in the first place, which I find so fascinating. It Greta is interested in hearing both sides and allowing us as people to have that conversation, and if anything, she's really more acknowledging the utopia aspect of it that could be problematic, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, That there is meant to be the synergy between us, that we have different perspectives that can actually make us work together better uh, if we're willing to listen to one another. Uh, And I think she has a lot of interesting things to say about that, but also has a lot of fun with it, too. I mean, this is a farce in many ways. Like, we're we're, we're talking very seriously about this movie, but we have to acknowledge that it is, in many corners, not meant to be taken seriously. And some of the... um, portrayals of the male-dominated real world come off as kind of behind the times in a very direct and obvious way that I couldn't help but laugh. It's almost as if Greta is intentionally, maybe as another theme that's separate from all of this, like attempting to deconstruct the extremism of modern social politics, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. And and just the way that it gets almost weaponized nowadays. And maybe that's another aspect that she's targeting here. I don't know, but I like the way that she's taking at it from different angles and really having a lot of fun with it too. I I agree. The the farcical nature of the film is really fun. There are a few scenes that I I certainly want to talk about here in a moment, but quickly I want to go back to the Ken conversation because mm-hmm. I wanted to echo a lot of what you guys were saying. I, you know, there's this fascinating dichotomy with the Kens in this film that I think is really, really interesting. And yeah. it, 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 it's, it's interesting to see the conversation that's come about. But I mm-hmm. do love this dichotomy because on one hand, it exposes, the film exposes not just the patriarchy, but the hollow and impractical expectations of societal machismo, right? Because Ken comes from the world of Barbie where, as you guys are talking about, he's secondary to Barbie. It's Barbie and Ken, and his validation comes directly from Barbie, who Mm -hmm. clearly isn't as interested in him as he is in her. So when he gets to the quote-unquote real world and it's antithetical to what he knows, where people ask him for the time, and he's respected (laughs) in a male-dominated society. which, <laughs> it's so good. At and, the same time, he also thinks all men drive horses. So, uh. well, yeah, that's yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the thing. It's it's not subtle in that commentary, but I do find no. it really hilarious. But as a result, he begins to see masculinity in a more rudimentary way, and I find it yeah. mesmerizing how the film deconstructs male bravado by paralleling it to. Barbie and how worshiping and enforcing certain standards is actually harmful and vapid, which is fascinating because simultaneously it's in the real world where Ken's identity actually prospers Mm -hmm. there, right? And it begins to roam free like a wild horse running across the plains, one could say. So something (laughs) is unlocked there for Ken. And it's why ultimately I, I don't think the film is demonizing masculinity as much as it's no. suggesting that the superficialities of the patriarchy are anything but fulfilling and it yeah. fails to give himself worth. There's, of course, a lot of fun to be had with it, especially given Gosling's wonderfully outlandish performance. But those ideas are very, very clever and astute here, really sharply written by by Gerwig and Bombach. And how often, JD, do we talk about we love seeing men as sensitive in movies these days? Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's, it's it's just so refreshing to see that, and it just feels so honest in that way. Uh, and I yeah. like that there is that that element that Greta is sprinkling in here, too. I, 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 I think that's why it's almost like thematically appropriate that she chose to write this with Noah Bombach. Uh, so that way, it's, it's almost as if the writing credits themselves are telling you that this is about multiple perspectives uh and whether it's direct or not i I like that idea and it certainly comes through in the final product yeah i i mean anytime bombach and gerwig want to get together i'm certainly there for it sure 
And I, I agree with you. I do think that certainly adds an interesting dynamic here for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, there's another aspect to this movie that I wanted to talk about because I was floored by this, did not really see this coming, but I, I thought it was a really interesting reveal because the other thing for me, when we're looking at Barbie and her arc here is the relationship that she forms with the Gloria character. And I don't want to get into mm. spoilers here, but there is a small redirect that connects the both of them in this way that, as I noted, I found really unexpected. Yeah. And let me tell you, the emotional swing by Gerwig here knocked me the F out. (laughs) (laughs) And this is very early on in their relationship. It's, It's really not long after Barbie and Gloria meet. Now, I may not be able to relate with Gloria verbatim, as I noted earlier. However, I do have a seven-year-old son who's growing rapidly, and one of my biggest fears is exactly what Gloria depicts here as it relates to memory and playing with your children. And I'm starting to lose it, so forgive me. Oh, J.D., I love you, man. I love when this Uh, happens. (laughs) I'm trying to hold this together. Uh, but you know, so cute. Sam and I obviously don't play with Barbies, but let's say Legos and Star Wars figures. And there's going to be a day where that comes to an end. And there again, there's a reveal of that with Gloria here, this montage that Gerwig uh, throws in here as this sleight of hand, because we yeah. think that Barbie is in the real world for someone else and it ends up not being the case and why and how that ends up not being the case as it relates to Gloria with this montage that Gerwig shows this idea that one day your children won't want to play with you anymore in the case of this film Barbie specifically but relating that to my own experience with Sam it obliterated me we're 30 minutes into this film and I am uncontrollably sobbing. <laughs> Greta Gerwig, right? And she's always yeah. been so good at, I think, exploring the relationship between mothers and daughters or, you know, parents and their children. I yeah. think she is particularly gifted in that regard. And while it doesn't get maybe as much screen time as it would have benefited from, I think the moments that show um, those mother-daughter interactions are, are really um really sweet and it does have one of my favorite lines i will say one of my favorite lines in the movie it's not a spoiler was when she's like driving crazy after trying to save barbie and she's like mom where'd you learn to drive like that and (laughs) there was this guy she's like dad she's like yeah 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 your dad (laughs) yeah something like that yeah well and and that's the thing to circle back to something you said brennan that the film never lose loses sight of its farcical and, and satirical bite. Oh, no. Sometimes it embraces it so head-on that it almost seems distracting. Like, the whole chase in the Mattel lobby or oh, the right. office building is... like It's so over-the-top. It, I think it might go a little too over-the-top for my liking. Uh, and I, I think that's kind of the Will Ferrell of it all. Yeah, yeah it's Ferrell's not for everybody. And, like, what, I, what I've said to other people was that I actually think she might have made that decision because if she if she portrayed the Mattel executives in like a very straight manner, it mm-hmm. would have seemed like an insult. Whereas here it's so over the top that like, obviously she's oh, not yeah. commentary. That. that would be my guess. That's one of the reasons. And Which obviously the sense. comedy. Um, yeah. I think that maybe it works well for me in that regard, but like, yeah, it's totally, I think that's the one moment where it's yeah. so absurd that it, you kind of, I could see someone losing connection it, to the moment, in the story because yeah, not even it, human or, like the it, people are it, running it, it's together. yeah it slowly falls off the rails a little bit and at the same time I, I love the idea of it i agree with you lauren that it was meant to be portrayed in a very farcical way as to not be an insult i think the thing with me is i guess like with will ferrell here once again i found myself really thinking about his vocal performance in the lego movie i was instance. gonna say it's very lego and, 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 it, and it kind of got distracting because i was reminded of something else that also coincidentally happened to be a movie based on a toy product right, right. uh yeah. and, and maybe that was sort of the goal maybe there was maybe a meta component there but it was a uh, little bit too silly i think yeah yeah of the movie in the real world, everything else is the real world. And in the that's, real world, that's you know, the big thing for me. Yeah, it's yeah. the jarring. It's in the real world, it's the 
real world, you see someone running and you run towards them. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. don't want to see them and then run in the opposite direction. And it was like funny and amusing, but it didn't feel like what was supposed to be happening in the real world. It just didn't mm-hmm. make total sense. But I, I enjoyed the bit and like I like Will Ferrell. So like, but I, yeah. can, I can definitely see that being people's biggest like. I don't know about this. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, I, and I noted that in my opening thoughts. The Will Ferrell stuff I do think is a bit odd, especially because his scenes are supposed to take place in the quote-unquote real world, and yet he's mm-hmm. as, you know, fake as the, the quote-unquote toys of this film are supposed to be. And so it's this interesting clash that I don't know if it fully works, but I understand why Greta would depict it that way, especially yeah. if she is trying to avoid offending certain executives that would maybe <laughs> right. not release this film. <laughs> you know? As far as silly performances go, I actually think Kate McKinnon is a real standout. Uh, yeah. In her- yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm, I'm admittedly sort of hit or miss with her in general, mm-hmm. but I really liked her in this. Uh, she was actually one of my favorite performances, at least of the Barbies themselves. Uh, uh, I mean, Margot Robbie, like I said, I think this might be her uh, best performance of her career. At least it's my personal favorite because of what she's asked to juggle between the film's tonal silly silliness and where it ends up going and she has to she's the one with the hardest job margot robbie has to play all of those spectrums sometimes in the same scene uh so it's a very you know bold performance in that regard but kate mckinnon she doesn't always make me laugh but she made me laugh here uh and mm-hmm. maybe it's maybe it's, maybe it's because of the dexterity of that character the literal dexterity of her uh so a lot of that is also you know with regard to the choreography and the art direction complementing that performance it's all very well balanced there yeah kate mckinnon is great i loved that sequence in her house there where they reveal yeah. all the barbies that are no longer products that are, oh, you the know, discontinued the ones, discontinued or so the discontinued good. Kens, uh, yeah. Rob Brydon, one of them. That's <laughs> yeah. amazing. It's it's so good. I mean, this supporting yeah. cast is is this quite. Is for Alan. Yes, I was just gonna say. You know, a, another one of my favorite so performances in the movie was Michael Sarah. Yeah, He's yeah. Great. And again, someone else I'm also very hit or miss on in general. But again, maybe one of my favorite Michael Sarah performances. Honestly, like, I wish we, honestly, my biggest criticism was we didn't have more. Alan and every moment he was again is kind of the point but at the same time like I yeah but I love that when he is there he's like this he's kind of the pacifist of it all he's the middleman until he gets into the fight and then he's yeah no longer a pacifist yeah (laughs) and I love how that comes out of nowhere like just not explained at all just massive fight all of a sudden he's an expert (laughs) (laughs) not fighter oh my god it's well choreographed too it's like a matrix it is all of a sudden it's great uh, speaking of, I do want to talk about Gerwig's direction here because mm-hmm. my goodness, this is an extremely well-directed movie. I absolutely love the not so subtle practicality of the film's aesthetics and set design. The fakery yeah. of Barbie land is of course thematically pertinent, but I love how it adds to the film's humor and magic. And broadly it's invigorating to see how she channels classic filmmaking, even if she's heightening it to 11, the tangibility is really mm-hmm. stimulating. Perhaps most impressively, though, is how she manages tone here because sure. the clashing of the over-the-top humor and blistering huge emotion can be jarring, but I think she threads that needle perfectly. And given what mm-hmm. the film is attempting to subvert, I think you need both of those extremes to demonstrate the disparity between reality and this societal standard that is impossible to achieve. So I don't see those juxtaposing tones as conflicting as much as they coexist to help render why it's important to free yourself from the patriarchal archetype. And I love Gerwig's balancing act here in that regard. That is really tricky to pull off. And sometimes it is in the same moment, right? Because there's, I, I mentioned the moment uh, with Gloria where she reveals wh- how Barbie is connected to her. And that is like mm-hmm. right before you get into this over the top car chase sequence that we were talking about earlier yeah. or the moment with Helen Marin, uh, Marin's narrator, that line toward Margot Robbie, we, we mentioned up at the top, yep. that is like in the middle of Barbie unraveling emotionally. So like mm-hmm. <laughs> as, as the film is getting it into its most cathartic, we also throw in this really funny joke. 
Like yeah. that is so tricky to pull off, but oh yeah, man, we've seen so many movies fail that try to do that. Yeah, and absolutely. You know, I, I, I don't think it, it does here. Yeah, yeah. I, she, I'm she with nails you. It. Um, anything else? Any final thoughts you guys have on Barbie? Oh man, where where to begin? Um, we <laughs> <laughs> just know uh, there's so much. Um, I, I there are a couple things I do want to acknowledge. So I guess first thing I want to say is, um, I did say earlier on in this conversation that. I'm still a little undecided on the Ryan Gosling of it all. Um, and I feel, I guess I need to back that up a little bit. And a lot of it is really more due to maybe me not being in the right headspace seeing the movie for the first time. Uh, and at the same time, too, and this is something no critic should do, and I admittedly kind of did this, and I'm wrong to do this, but I went into this movie already knowing the hype around Ryan Gosling's performance. So I kind of had this preconceived notion already that, oh, he's the standout. He People are saying potential Oscar nomination, and... Naturally, when you go into a movie and you think that and then you see that performance, your instinct is to say, I don't, I'm not sure if I'm quite there. And that kind of harms the ju your, your judgment on it. So I'm willing to admit that his performance might grow on me. But I think the other thing, too, is that I was just so enveloped by everything involving Margot Robbie and a lot of the other female characters, especially that when we got back to his iteration of Ken, I kept thinking I just want to go back to Margot Robbie and what she's going through. So in many ways, maybe my reaction to Ryan Gosling's performance is more of an after effect of how great I thought everything else was. Um, so, yeah, so I'll, 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 to be continued with his performance for me, I'll say that. Um, but it might grow on me as well. Can I speak uh, to that real fast? Of you course. Know, because yeah. I, I do love Gosling here. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's interesting because I believe we were talking about this with Margot Robbie earlier, Lauren. I think you brought it up. But I think the same thing applies with Gosling's Ken. It's really interesting to me how, you know, because we were talking about earlier this duality with the Kens. And, mm -hmm. you know, how they relate to both the patriarchy and the matriarchy. And I think Gosling does such a great job of rendering this sense of loneliness in Ken that we see early yeah. on, that his identity is wholly tethered to Barbie. And that, I do think, is important for all the reasons we talked about earlier in terms of bringing empathy to both uh, the Barbies and the Kens of this film as it relates mm -hmm. to the gender dynamics we've, we've already talked about. And that I think is, is really great. So when he gets to the real world and we see him exposed to what he considers to be respect and love and attention, even though it is farcical and a little mm -hmm. over the top and superficial and full of horsies, he loves it. <laughs> And he responds to it in such a deep <laughs> personal way. And I think Gosling does such a great job of bringing that out in his performance that is the other side of the coin that we saw from him in Barbie Land. And I think he's he does such a great job of honing into the humor and all of that. But there is this subtle, subtle pathos underneath all of that buffoonery that I think makes sense of both sides of that coin, that his identity mm -hmm. is wholly tethered to Barbie, but also full-on patriarchy, and that's what I'm for now. And mm -hmm. it's really great. And and so to me, you know, for similar reasons we, we mentioned with Margot Robbie, even though the emotional complexities of his character aren't quite as extreme as what we get mm -hmm. with Barbie, but he mm -hmm. does such a great job of, I think, tapping into both sides of that coin that... To, and I do think that is important because it is easy for a lot of people, I think, to cling on to like only one side of it, which is why they're coming out of the experience feeling offended. And uh, and I think mm -hmm. without it, maybe there would be some reasons to criticize the film in that way. But that that I don't think that's the case at all. I think Gerwig is very astute and attentive in her mm -hmm. writing to make sure that she is as we noted earlier, she's tapping into both sides of, 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 of the coin in terms of the patriarchy yeah. and matriarchy and the fallout of it, like the cost on, on both sides. And Gosling, I think, is just as important as Margot Robbie in that regard. And, sure. and I don't know if the film is quite as evocative as it is without it. 
Uh, and yeah. yeah, I guess that is to me to say, I think that is why it is one of the best performances of the year, yeah. or at least maybe also, most important. It's called Barbie. The movie's called Barbie. And so to have mm. Ken be such a standout, that I think like the fact that so many people are talking about Ryan Gosling when they leave the movie is, again, shows that Gerwig and uh, Bombach wrote the character to have a prominent enough voice in the movie and a prominent yeah. enough yeah. arc. He has, he has a full arc. He has a really clearly so, defined yes. arc. Yeah. Making Absolutely. an impression. And I can understand that, like, maybe if his character is doesn't work as well for some people because he is much more cartoonish than mm-hmm. uh, Robbie is. Like, you know, that there's that moment, that, and I, I love it, but when he's like, sublime! Yeah. Definitely has a very specific I, way he's playing the character in the second yeah. half of the film that mm-hmm. goes um, full on uh, cartoonish. That is that I loved, but again, it's a very specific um, yeah. way he's going about it. He's mixing the emotion with a very heightened machismo character. Yes. Then Gerwig and Gosling have to then do this whole um, musical number, which I think is again like the reason this movie could feel so jarring to some people is that it's mm. doing a lot. <laughs> like, it's every yeah. genre. It's every Barbie. It's 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 what yeah. it's doing. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. it's a, it's just out of nowhere. All right, we're gonna have a. It's gonna be a musical. The movie's not yep. a musical. Yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of like that. It that doesn't feel out of place though. That's the, the weird thing yeah. about it. Yeah, they just decide to do things that aren't consistent with the rest of the movie. Like, let's break the wall. Let's have a musical number just because they feel like it. And there's something yeah. unhinged about that that I respect yeah. the hell out of. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. The exuberance of the choreography and, and the number itself is just remarkable. But yeah. again, I think there's a, a, a tinge. Again, it's it's subtle because so much of the film is farcical, but there is a tinge of sadness to the character and what's what's taking place there. And, and I think about the same thing early on when he asked Barbie, like, can I stay over tonight? And she's like, no, it's girls night again. And, and the camera, yeah. the camera lingers on Gosling for a good beat and you see him utterly deflated. And yeah. I, that to me goes a long way in this film when, especially when couple, that's a with, great point. Yeah. yeah. Those are the things I need to really pay attention to when I see the film again, which I am looking forward to doing. Um, and for how much I praise the film for working on both male and female levels as far as its themes and what it's getting at, perhaps I do need to give a lot of credit to Ryan Gosling to help balance those things out. Although admittedly, at least in the moment, I think a lot of that is really due to how well written Ken is yeah, as a character. Yeah, that's a big part of uh, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and there there are cases where the performance can sometimes feel like it's secondary to the great writing of a character, and that's not to say the performance is bad. But I do think a lot of what Bombach and Gerwig are doing as far as writers of Ken, I think that's a lot of the heavy lifting there in many ways. Because uh, yeah. he's he, 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 well-written character. And I think those yeah. themes are realized because of that. And again, I don't think Gosling's bad in the movie. I just had a very bad yeah, sense of comparison. Yeah, it yeah. Yeah. And even in the movie, I was thinking, man, I thought he was so much funnier than the nice guys. Again, like that's not a fair comparison. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to admit that. But in the moment, I was not in the right headspace to judge that performance, mm-hmm. given the hype around it. And so. also, we don't talk about these kinds of performances for Oscars, typically. That's right. also what's really yeah. jarring is that like Barbie has become a beast of its of another kind. We've not seen a movie like this uh, in, in recent memory, at least. And so yeah. typically this would be a movie that we all loved and we would mm-hmm. leave it at that. But the fact sure. that it's gotten so big that we're talking about the Oscars for a performance that's a little sillier, that's not yeah. the kind of thing we usually associate with the Academy Awards, I think that could be jarring when you're hearing that kind of stuff going into the performance. You just um, expect yeah. different. I mean, if mm-hmm. Melissa McCarthy can get an Oscar nomination for Bridesmaids, then why couldn't someone from Barbie? Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it has happened it's before. Possible. It doesn't happen very yeah. often, but it, cer- it is certainly possible. Um, I do want to give some credit to one more final thought that I had here, and that's uh, there's a scene in the trailer, and it's it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie as well, is a very brief moment, I think maybe a third or so in the way through the film. It's when Barbie and Ken first enter the real world. She sits down on a bench and has a moment with an older lady. Um, uh, yeah. First off, Great moment. In, in, just in the context of the movie, I think it's beautiful knowing that this is Barbie who has seen a very specific depiction of beauty in her world and now sees it differently in this world and acknowledges the beauty there, I think is a very beautiful and powerful notion. But I also just love the execution of it because my first reaction was, this is staged in a way that this is an important person. 
mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. And then I I didn't know who it was in the moment, but then I went through the cast list on IMDb and I saw, okay, this is Anne Roth, very famous two-time yeah. Oscar-winning costume designer. Uh, winner of, I think, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Uh, also worked on, what, what else did she work on? I think it was uh, The Talented Mr. Ripley, maybe? Uh, Cold Mountain. Uh, all the way dating back to 1969 with Midnight Cowboy. Uh, so, uh, so she's been around and I love the little acknowledgement to a talent yeah. like that that works in movies so it has an almost yeah. meta quality yeah, that I love that it wasn't like like the, I, I think we've all heard that seen that interview where they said um where Gerwig said that the they wanted her to cut that scene because it didn't drive the the plot further that was actually one of the mm. notes we got that they thought mm. maybe she should cut it because it didn't have a quote-unquote purpose driving the plot forward and she oh said, man that if I cut this scene this is the heart of what I'm doing here and if I cut yeah. this then why am I making this movie it was her like um thought yeah. process she refused and i think that i love that she has moments like that that maybe it technically could have been could have been taken out and the story would yeah. go exactly the same but i love that when we're dealing with a movie talking so much about physical appearance and perceptions of beauty that we remember in barbie land they haven't been taught to fear aging they haven't yeah, been yeah. Taught the kind they of don't stuff, know any different the kind yeah. of stuff in the real world that we are as women terrified of aging and can spend all our money yeah. on dermatology treatments mm-hmm anti-aging stuff because there's nothing you could do that's worse than age of a woman but they haven't even that's not even on their radar it's not a thing there so she's able to be an older woman and just look at her and appreciate her for her beauty and for what she is exactly because not dealing with the horrors of what we deal with in the real world that's a great point and it's really just another beautifully directed moment and it's incredible to me because for all those reasons you're talking about but it also comes off the heels of Barbie having this really emotional moment individually when she's trying to connect to the reason she's in the real world to begin with. And she has this ethereal transcendent experience thinking about herself in the context of some little girl and, and what Barbie means to her as she's growing up playing with Barbie and yeah. and so she has this cathartic emotional moment and you know and starts to cry something she's never experienced before again the balancing of tones because there's a nice little joke thrown in there um but it all works and then that's when she turns to yeah. to that character so like it, it it is an incredible moment artistically and quintessentially <laughs> uh is why executives are not artists and they should not be telling stories like who cares about plot like there's thematic and emotional yeah, resonance like here that minutes, is important right? like it's hardly like a time suck or time drain yeah like, yeah minutes, like give it to them it's like 30 <laughs> seconds yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah no, I, I agree with you guys so uh any other thoughts here or any other final thoughts Honestly, I think that's the perfect note to end on. I think it's like, a good movie. One of the best scenes of the movie and one of yeah. the best movies of the year. Yeah, it's really great. My other final thought here, I love this soundtrack. I think the music oh, in yeah. this film, we talked about the Ken song and it is really great. I just love how this film burst into a musical randomly, <laughs> uh, but it's really great. Um, and, and that number in and of itself is, I, I love the humor of it, but again, there's a tinge of sadness to it that is just so perfect. But I also love yeah. how like there's there's a song in the opening credits of the film that is very meta and speaks to what is actually happening happening on screen that I think is great, mm-hmm. and that Billie Eilish song, mm-hmm. oh, oh yeah, God. <laughs> it is so good, <laughs> so so good. I, I just I just I love, love as well, so and I was you know watching the opening credits because it, it, clearly this movie has not just one, but two really talented composers working on the film, that being Mark Ronson and Andrew Watt, uh, who are more known for like pop music in their own way. But the music supervisor here was uh, George Draculius, I think his name is, who worked on some of my favorite rock bands in the past, like bands like the Black Crows or Screaming Trees, kind of came from like the 90s rock mm. movement, which is such an interesting pairing for the soundtrack to Barbie. Yeah. Uh, and and it, it, I love when artists like this just work out of their comfort zones. And that's why I think the soundtrack is so quirky in many ways. Like, I, I, I love, it doesn't sound like a typical soundtrack. It's just, it's weird. And I love that. Great movie. Please go watch it. Yeah. According to the box office, you probably have already, but 
Oh, I couldn't find parking at the theater for this. It was amazing. Oh my gosh. Yes. I, I missed I missed the days like that. I really do. Oh. My my theater was absolutely jam-packed uh the day I went to see this. Mm-hmm. And and with Hoppenheimer, it was it was just chaotic at my theater this weekend, and it's usually not that way. So it's no, I mean, it's very exciting. Packed here usually in in South Florida, and I had a friend just text me right before I jumped onto this podcast. She lives in Boston, and she was like, "All Barbie screenings are sold out <laughs> for like talking about uh, Tuesday and Wednesday." Because I was like, yeah. you know, she's like, I'm going to go during the week because she really didn't want to deal yeah. with the Barbenheimer. She really wanted a calmer experience, sure. and she can't find a ticket <laughs> for Wild. during the week. <laughs> Gonna have to find one. Drive a little further to a theater you yeah. don't want to do because the weekend is gonna be worse. So I was for like, sure. that yeah. didn't even happen when I went to go and see Avatar: The Way of Water. I was still able to get in when I wanted yeah. to. Like I didn't have to deal with a sellout like that. Yeah, it's, it's uh, I, again. Insane. I miss when these problems existed. This is like <laughs> such know. a nostalgic movie weekend it's, for us. It's good stuff. <laughs> yeah. uh, Laura, thanks for being here. Absolute pleasure. Really, yeah. really do appreciate you joining us for this conversation. Yeah, thank you so much. I had such a great time. Uh, where mm-hmm. can we find you on social media and uh, your work online? Yeah, so you can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Lauren Cohen Film. And yeah, also Next Best Picture. Yeah, yep. I was just going right. to say she that. was on Next Best Picture talking about this. Please go and check that out. We do love yep. Matt Neglia. So please go and check all that out and please give Lauren a follow. Uh, yep. Really do appreciate you being here. Uh, let us know if you agree or disagree with any of our takes. You can hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or it's not Twitter now. It's X, I guess. I don't even know. I can't <laughs> keep up call, with them What are they called? Like, like, there's a new term to call them tweets now. It's just X eat. So what yeah. is it called? Like Z or so something dumb. like that? We're on Blue Sky as well, Threads. Whatever you're on these days, <laughs> you know, just hit us up. Yeah. Let us know what you think of this movie. Um, you can also... Email us your thoughts in sessionfilm at gmail.com. If you're watching us on YouTube, just leave a comment below. Uh, With that, thanks, everybody, for listening, watching. Thanks once again, Lauren, for being here. We will see you all next time on the In Session Film Podcast. Oh, man. What a movie. Go pink. Wear pink. (laughs) 